This is the Self-Help Place podcast, the show that provides real self-help for everyone. Created and hosted by Dan Dyson. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Self-Help Place podcast. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. This is episode 23, and in today's episode, I'm going to be asking the question, what's the point? And it's something that everyone asks themselves at some point, of like, what's the point of life? You can see it as a pessimistic view, or you can see it as perhaps a realistic view, or even an optimistic view. It depends on your perspective on that question. But uh, I'm going to get right into it and start with by telling you the following story. In the 1970s, a young man called Nando Parado was in college, and he was on the local rugby team. Now, him and his teammates in 1972 decided to play a match in Chile, so they had to take a a flight over the Andes Mountains in order to get there. So there they were on this flight, um, enjoying the time, you know, he was with his teammates who he had spent his whole life growing up with, and they were all just wearing shorts and a t-shirt, you know, they're from a hot country, and, you know, they were just going to this other um, place with similar climate. So it was all nice and relaxed and it was just, they were just chatting with the teammates and some of Nando's family, like his mother and sister are along as well. Now, halfway through the flight, uh, the plane clipped a mountaintop, which ripped the plane in half. Everyone in the back half of the plane was killed instantly, including Nando's mother. The front half bounced along the other tops of the mountains and then finally slid down a steep incline to a stop. So you can see there one moment you're joking around with your teammates, uh, you know, people you've grown up with all your life and everything's fine. In a millisecond, everything changed. They were stranded in the Andes Mountains just wearing the shorts and t-shirts, like I said, and had to survive those freezing mountain temperatures. So night came, they survived the temperatures, then another day Then another night, another night, and another night. On day eight, his sister died. There were only 27 of the 48 original passengers left. On day 11, they found a transistor radio, and they learnt through the radio broadcast that the search effort for them had been called off as they had all been presumed dead. Day 17, an avalanche fell on them, killing eight more people. And sadly, the story just gets worse and worse and worse to the point where, sadly, they had to resort to cannibalism and had to eat their recently departed friends to stay alive in those freezing temperatures. Two months later, an entire two months later, Nando and his friend trekked 100 miles to find help. Despite the fact they were already starving to death and living off their friend's flesh, they trekked 100 miles and finally found the help they needed. On day 70, they were finally rescued. Two days later, the others were rescued in the plane that was left behind. Now, you really can't imagine any situation that could possibly be worse than that. And to, to live for two months in this wreckage of a plane, the front half of this plane, surviving freezing temperatures, not only eating the remains of your dead friends, but also sleeping right by the corpses of the meat as well. It's just stuff stuff you just couldn't even imagine. And still, they persevered, and Nando and his friend trekked all that way to find help and finally found it. So Nando survived. 
he went home and he went back to working in his father's business. But what happened haunted him, naturally. He, he just couldn't quite overcome it. And his father eventually said to him, Son, look, you survived something extraordinary. You cannot let this define you, though. You need to, you've been given a second chance and you need to live life like you've just started again. So that's exactly what Nando did. He actually always considered being a professional race car driver. So that's exactly what he did. He became a professional race car driver. He became a TV personality and maintained a multi-million dollar business. What a story that is. And if you want to know what that story is, that is based on the very famous, actually, the story of the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. Now, some of you listening to this might know about this. They did a movie of it in 1993, I think. Um, and it was very famous for this time. It was an extraordinary story of survival. And how extraordinary that is, it's, it's unreal. So, my point in telling this story is someone who's been through the absolute worst thing you can imagine found the point of his life. He asked himself, what's the point? He got a straight talk from his father about not letting things define him and you've got to really live because you have this second chance. Now, again, this might be talk you hear all the time, but there's a reason why people keep telling you this. You know, we have to be grateful for the fact that we do, we are able to, most of us anyway, are able to get up in the morning, to stand up even, to walk, to exercise, to breathe in air outside. And I, I guess one moment this young man, Nando, He's still alive today, by the way. He's 70 years old now. Um, and he gives talks about his experience to help people dealing with psychological trauma, which is fantastic, of course. So one moment, he's a young man and he's chatting with his friends and he's excited for this rugby game. And the next moment, just in that one tiny millisecond, everything changes. Now, I recently heard this story. I've known about this incident, but the story of this one man giving a talk was from an audiobook I'm currently currently listening to, which is also a, a normal book as well, called Mastering Fear by an ex-Navy SEAL commander, Brandon Webb. And I have recommended it before on a previous podcast, but I will link it in the description so you can check it out. Uh, very, very good book, highly recommended. But again, the book is about mastering fear and... This particular chapter I'm listening to, which had this story on, was a chapter called Knowing What Matters. And that's how I would like to really make a golden point in this podcast so far of what is the point. First of all, know what matters. I think then that is one way you can find the point of things. The next story I'm going to give you is actually something that I found on the news some time ago, but it was also a post that was made on Facebook, which I have checked out, and it, and it is legit, because, you know, the amount of things on Facebook which are not true, sadly, but uh, it is something I've checked out myself, and it is real, and I wish it wasn't, actually, in the sense of what happened. There was a young uh, woman from Australia, I think, called Holly Butcher, and she very sadly, at 26 years old, was diagnosed with a very rare cancerous tumour and died at 27 years old, which is extremely young, and very, very unfortunate. But she actually wrote a letter to the world, so to speak. And this actually went viral. It was posted on Facebook, and it was, I think, some of the local news outlets posted it, and it just 
everyone was reading it and it's I've read it myself and actually it is it does make you think twice and again this sounds very very cliche and you get people like your parents and in you know when when you're a kid and you haven't finished your greens at the dinner table they say be grateful there's children who don't eat blah 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 so we're kind of used to hearing about this but I think it's like anything we're taught once we really take it in for ourselves we start to really realize oh man you know that you know we are lucky as we are so I will once again link this letter in the description of the podcast you're listening to today but I'm going to go through some of the points on this letter because I think it is very insightful uh, to listen to so in the introduction she uh, was going through how it's a strange thing to realize and accept her mortality at 26 years young and I think it'd be the same for anybody and it's the things where we just ignore it and she's actually she actually mentions that she is kind of grateful that we are mostly ignorant to the you know how fragile our lives are and how unpredictable they can be like the story of Nando Parado where in one millisecond his whole life changed the plane was ripped in half and that was his life changed forever you know at any moment we could just get this news of you know this terrible news of poor health but again it's when it's said on surface level level it's it's it seems quite depressing because the problem is especially in western society death is quite a taboo subject i noticed when i did a lot of traveling in the east you know in in southeast asia in particular especially things like places like thailand death is very out in the open you know they don't shy away from corpses and videos of of funerals and death and like having bodies burnt on a pyre and things like that they, they don't really hide away from it. They accept it. And it's part of their culture. And it's a combination of the religion of Buddhism and their culture kind of mixed together. They do accept death as the one of the inevitabilities of life. But in the West, it's very hidden away. And I found I've only recently really come to terms with that in the last few years. And I realized how strange we are at hiding death. And it makes sense, obviously, because no one really wants to see death. No one wants to be reminded of that. But really think about that for a second. Why don't we want to be reminded of death? And it's I think it's because, in, in my opinion, it's become so fabled, death. You know, when we watch movies and stuff, like to die, a horrible death, or things like that, and it, it's just become this, oh, no, big thing. But you have to remember, death, like, if you took all the media and all the movies and all that away, death is just a very inevitable and natural part of life, you know, and so is being born. Um, and... Even the Buddha himself talked about the four inevitabilities of life, really, and it's birth, old age, sickness, and death. And this sounds—it sounds like a terrible, miserable conversation I'm having now in this podcast. But it stops being miserable when you really accept it for what it is, and then actually it empowers you. You know, when you realize that it's a difference when someone, like, if you take the phrase "no one gives a crap," there's two ways of looking at that. No one gives a crap can sound like the most depressing phrase ever no one gives a crap but on the other hand no one gives a crap can also be used in the exact opposite no one gives a crap then why not do what i want to do you know and so many of us put away what we really want to do because we're afraid of looking stupid or we're worried about others what what will others think and i might sound like i'm taking quite a patronizing tone on that but actually they're, they're real fears you know we we have a fear of things like social rejection which is a big fear for us and you know the, the the theory goes that back in the caveman days or what have you they um 
social rejection meant our demise because we survived together as packs. And of course, if we were rejected socially, that means we had to fend for ourselves. So a theory is that we still have that fear because it is a primal fear of, of being socially rejected. But the problem is that, that those survival rules don't really apply now. Of course, it's better to be with other people, but we worry that we will be socially rejected if we do look silly or we, or we do what we really want to do and we worry what people think of us. But it's well overboard because, to be quite honest, if you're doing what you want to do and you're not harming yourself or other people, those people who are judging you on that, they're people... Why are you friends with them anyway? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? You need some better friends by the sounds of it. But um, you have to realise that a lot of fears are unfounded. You know, I used to be afraid of what some of my friends or even parents thought of some of the ideas I had. And I discussed it with them and I was so surprised that they were supportive of it. And it's not because they are like, they are nowhere near unsupportive people. But because I presumed in my own head that they wouldn't understand it, I just thought that would be their reaction. And when I actually, you know, mustered up the courage to tell them what I wanted to do, like travel alone and things like that, a lot of parents um, or friends discouraged that, but I was very, very lucky. A lot of mine didn't. And it is hard to deal with discouragement because it makes you doubt yourself. So that's just a little bit about that point on the letter uh, from Holly, just about, you know, life is so unpredictable and fragile and precious and we're just so afraid to do everything we want to do and she explains how you know we do need to just do those things take a breath of fresh air and do the exercise and she makes the point for example we well this is point number four in a letter I hear people complaining about how terrible work is or about how hard it is to exercise be grateful you are physically able to Work and exercise may seem like such trivial things until your body doesn't allow you to do either of them. And this is something I've tried to remind myself. And, you know, if you're if you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking, well, you know, I, I complain a lot and I do this. We all do it. I, I do. I do actually believe it is in our nature to to complain, like to 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 take things for granted. It's very normal to do that. But it's an exercise. It's a thing we build up to try try and be grateful for more things and really realize and it's not be grateful it's not talking down on other people it's it's for yourself and self-discipline is a kind thing it's for your own betterment so that's why in a lot of these self-help exercises it's about um saying things or writing down things you're grateful for every night there's a reason we do that is to really sink into ourselves instead of just saying well I suppose I better be grateful that I can move and or that I'm able to grow older or you know, that I can breathe in air and stuff like that. Through practicing gratification, that turns into, I really am lucky, wow. Like, I'm really lucky I can do that. And it's when you really sink in, and a lot of people are afraid to face themselves and really let those things sink in. So that was um, one of the points, is to really be grateful for the little things she was doing. She describes that she saw her body wasting away day by day and there's nothing she can do about it. And she makes a particular point, here's another one, of the fact that we get so worked up about the smallest things. And I'll just read you point number one she makes, and this is, yeah, point number one. Those times you're whinging about ridiculous things, something I've noticed so much these past few months, just think about someone who's really facing a problem. Be grateful for your minor issue and get over it. It's okay to acknowledge that something is annoying, but try not to carry on about it and negatively affect other people's days. And again, my take on this, sometimes, you know, we do get in our habits where we're busy and then we, we come home and we gripe about something. And, and, and sometimes ranting, well, sometimes we need a good rant, don't we? We like to 
make us feel better. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The problem is when it, as Holly's saying here, it's when it keeps going. It's when you when when it just drains the any good energy out of you and other people around you when because it, it is easy to get into the habit of complaining you know we can see someone as a complainer like it's built into the personality it really isn't it's just due to roots and habits and things like that we build the more we do something in you know action speech words that's why it's so emphasis when it comes to personal development so emphasize sorry when it comes to personal development the what what we do is tends to be repeated so if we do a good act or we say something that is good, the more likely we are we are to repeat that. And it's the same, sadly, with the negative side of things. So someone who complains, starts complaining a lot or has a lot of things they feel to complain about, it gets to the point where unconsciously they're just complaining all the time. You know, it happens. And you can even go through phases of that. So that's about whinging about like the smaller things. And, you know, everybody does it. I do it everyone does it and it's it's important to just keep reflecting back to remember that they just don't matter in the end and like i said the chapter on the audiobook i was telling you about the mastering fear is knowing what matters and you have to remind yourself of this every single day and going on to point three uh quoted from the letter as well you might have got caught in bad traffic today or had a bad sleep because your beautiful babies kept you awake or your hairdresser cut your hair too short your new fake nails might have got a chip your boobs are too small or you have cellulite on your ass or your belly is wobbling and she's basically saying let it all go because again she goes on to say i swear you will not be thinking of those things when it's your turn to go it's all so insignificant when you look back at life as a whole and like I said, she goes on to say, I'm watching my body waste away right now before my eyes with nothing I can do about it. And all I wish for now is that I could have just one more birthday or Christmas with my family or just one more day with my partner and dog. Just one more. I think that's that's what really kind of hit me there because, you know, I wake up every day. I'm able to wake up feeling in good health every day. I'm able to physically get out of my bed. So many people can't can't even get out of their beds in the morning. They're, they're bedridden. Um, I'm grateful I'm able to, you know, actually move parts of my body. I- I'm not paralyzed from the from the neck down or something. You know, there's so many things you can be grateful for. But again, it, it's important to remember, it doesn't mean you, you have no permission to complain about something. That's fine. What basically Holly's getting at, I think, is, you know, we have to... It's knowing what matters. We all gripe. Everyone does it. But we have to realize what matters. And... It's very easy to lose track and sight of what matters. And I've done it a couple of times. And I know, you know, everyone out there listening to this, we we all do it sometimes. But it, it is just about bringing it back. And things, things, letters like these really kind of sober us up a bit from our own habits, realizing how insignificant things are. And it's like she's saying here, it's like, what, what do you do instead of complaining? Um, you know, she she mentioned she tried to live a healthy life. Uh, it was her major passion. Appreciate your good health and functioning body, even if it's not your ideal size. Look after it and embrace how amazing it is. Move it and nourish it with fresh food. Don't fresh food even. Don't obsess over it. And again, she goes on to straight on to point five, where she says, "Remember, there are more aspects to good health than the physical body. Work just as hard on finding your mental, emotional, and spiritual happiness too." 
That way you might realise just how insignificant and unimportant having this stupidity portrayed perfect social media body really is. And again, this is aimed a lot at women, as she's, she's pointing out here. While on this topic, delete any account that pops up on your newsfeed that gives you any sense of feeling crap about yourself, friend or not. Be ruthless about your own well-being. That's a big, 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 big point there. And again, I would be willing to say this is, again, the big point of this self-help place podcast. It's to, and it's about really being, yeah, exactly as it says, being ruthless with your own self-care. And I think growing up, particularly in teenage years and early adulthood, you still have that clinging on to pleasing people, um, some don't, some some do. I don't see it as a weakness. I just think it is a sense of finding a direction. And it's it's very easy, especially with kind people, to forget about themselves. But to be truly kind, you've got to be trying to kind to yourself as much as other people. And if there's something not serving you, and it's something that can be helped, you need to go and do it. And it's really hard sometimes to get the to get the courage to do that. Uh, especially when it comes to people in your life. You know, it's very easy enough to get rid of, unless you're talking about addictions, which are far harder, very easy to get rid of things which are causing you negative space. Uh, and you'll find that happens naturally when you get bored of it. But with people, it's very, very easy to, one, manipulate yourself, and two, let other people manipulate you. And that is a huge problem. I mean, there's... Phrases thrown around like narcissism and, you know, gaslighting and things like that. These are all very real things, but there's just a lot of haze and confusion. And the only real way to really be the kindest to yourself is to build that strength, to have that courage to do so. And I'll admit, I didn't have that for years and years. And I wish I did. I really wish I did. I, I, I knew what I wanted. I just couldn't get myself to it. And the truth is, it just takes time to build. Anyone listening to this who already has that, that's great. If you don't, I completely feel you and it takes time to build that up. You have to sometimes say no and cut ties with people that do you absolutely no benefit, no matter who they are. And it's even, it is very, very hard, when it, especially when it comes to family. You know, I know people who have had to cut family members off in their life and that I can't even imagine how hard that must be. But it gets to a point where, if you physically cannot move forward and cannot be truly happy with their presence, that's when it becomes bad, you know? That's when you need to do that. And, you know, it happens. And it's it's a little easier with, you know, people who are not so much friends or loved ones or family or things like that. But I think another hard part is partners as well. It's very easy to have a partner that's manipulative and gaslighting and like narcissism if if you if you can be blind if you're blindsided by somebody uh it's very easy to get caught in the trap of letting them manipulate you especially when you've lost your strength because people talk about strength and weakness like they're permanent character strengths they are absolutely not you can if you're strong you can lose that strength if you are weak or well i don't like to use that word weak because it's 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 too it's too unrealistic a word but if you don't have the strength you can build it basically and the rest of holly's letter just goes on about things that she recommends doing because in the perspective that she doesn't have a lot of time left there's a lot of things that come into perspective and sometimes you know a sobering moment like that is just pure clarity 
in what what is meaningful and what's not, knowing what matters. So you might be asking, what's that got to do with what is the point? Well, the reason is, is because when you find yourself thinking life's meaningless and what's the point, look harder. Usually there's a reason for that and it's getting lost in your own head and mistranslated. So for example, you might be asking what's the point or I don't see where I'm going, I have no direction. And it might just because you have a dead-end job that's grinding away at you. And it, it can, it takes time. You know, we've I'm sure a lot of us listening to this have been in mind-nubbing dead-end jobs and you might still be in one where it just it just feels like it just chips away at your soul all the time. But the problem is, you can get quite down about it, but when you're when you're feeling down, your mind can tend to, and it's again not it's not a weak thing to do this. Don't don't get into that mentality, but it's it's very normal for your mind to exaggerate things as worse than they are. And it doesn't mean that bad things are not happening to, happening to you, but what can happen is that it can be mistranslated. So my job is bad and it sucks. You start thinking, my life sucks. What's the point of going on? But all you need is a change of scenery, and you need to plan out how on your escape route so to speak and I'll tell you something there is nothing more invigorating than an escape route an escape plan you know you know you way out of it building a new skill finding a new career etc or you might be with a partner that is sadly manipulative or narcissistic and if and you feel trapped in that relationship you you feel like if you leave something awful is going to happen or they're going to top themselves or something like that and again you start getting really, really down to the point where you think, oh, my, this is what my life's come to and I don't see the point anymore. Look harder. It's always about, there's always going to be something that's stopping you, you know? And it's, it's like I say, with anyone who insults other people, demeans, puts down other people, usually, I'd, I'd be willing to say 99.9% .9 of the time, it's due to an insecurity they have about something, a lack of worthiness, and they have to feel superior to others. Now, I never really understood that at first because I was like, well, they don't actively want, they, they don't actively say in their head, well, I feel in not superior, so I want to be superior to others. It's an unconscious process. If you look hard enough, you'll find a lot of unconscious processes going on. And I've done it, you know, in my childhood times and I've put people down, I thought, well, that's because I felt that way. And no one knows about that because no, you don't want anyone to know your deepest, darkest secrets that's going on in your head. No one, you don't want anyone to know about your lack of worthiness. So that is, if you're going to take anything away from today, remember that when you ask yourself those questions, something's going on behind the works that's not always obvious. And it's not always obvious. If if you don't face yourself regularly, if you hide from your problems, which is very, very normal to do, that's when things start getting confusing. And the worst thing you can do, and it's something I used to do all the time, is lie to yourself. Because and it's not just because you're cheating yourself out of something, it's actually more because you get so confused between your own self-lies and the reality of things. You get so confused about what you want, what you are, what you want to happen, and it's it's a sad process. And you wake up one day and you think, I have no idea what I want anymore. And then, of course, that can lead to what's the point, or that's that's the point of all existence. But remember, like, like Holly said, you know, a woman, sadly, who died of cancer... This was a letter written shortly before she... I think it says 24 hours before she died of cancer. She wrote this out. You know, you have to really realise what matters. Once you realise that, you start seeing a point. And of course, you know, you may still feel what's the point. You may have all that down to a T. You might have your life in order, everything what you want, chasing your dreams. 
but usually a good amount of existential crises are solved when you really have things how you want when you're doing things true to your heart and that's another point in the letter you have to do things true to your heart don't do things that you feel like yeah that you feel other people would be happy with you doing just so you can get respect it, it doesn't matter it does not matter and it's part of this audiobook uh the mastering fear all that money the ego status with your friends the respect the clothes the car, the car all glitter it's all just glitter the real stuff inside is knowing what matters so it's the warm embrace of, of your daughter when you cuddle her to sleep at night. It's, you know, the smile on your partner's face when you treat them to a birthday meal or you're sat having a picnic somewhere and just enjoying the day. That's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff we carry with us through our lives. You know, the money, money comes and goes and we all stress about money. I know I do. But at the end of the day, I... I th- I think it's good to look back in retrospect. I look back to a time last year where I was thinking, wow, how am I going to get through this time? And then I did, and I carried on, and life went on. Your body has a natural ability to just, and your mind has a natural ability. As much as you don't think you do, as much as you don't think you can cope with the situation, you find your mind does it anyway, because you have an instinct to go on, to go forward. And I think if you are really, even if you have everything together, if you are there thinking, what's the point? Take a break, stop everything you're doing, take time off and let it come to you, you know? And it's hard to do that because when you're so distracted by news and things like that, take a break and really face yourself. And you might be asking that question for years. And I I know I did. And it's the reason I'm I'm making this episode today. It's because it's something I did. I didn't see the meaning of it. But once you get your heart in the right place, once you realise what really matters, that is when you start seeing the point. And sometimes the point might be that there is no point. It might just be the fact that you are here to live and and die. And it doesn't have to be a miserable thing. In fact, I have a couple of friends who, you know, they always share memes with each other about, you know, nihilism and existentialism. I can never say that word for some reason. And to me, I never really understood it because I see those things as an opportunity. And you might call me an optimist, but I I think it's beyond those labels. I think it is just really seeing it for what it is. Because to me, boredom, and I don't mean the boredom as in I've got nothing to do on a Sunday. I mean, boredom of things that make you mentally tired is probably one of the best things ever. Like, you can get mentally tired of just obsessing over the mortality of life or, you know, the fragility of life. You can get tired of it. And I think I look at that and I just get, like, I realise nothing good comes out of being depressed about it. Because, to me, it's going to happen anyway. Like, I might as well make the most of what I can do. And the famous Lord of the Rings quote from Gandalf is, uh, I think it was Frodo who says, I wish this hasn't happened to us. And Gandalf replies with, nor do anyone who sees such times, but that's not for them to decide. What is for them to decide is what they do with the time given to them. And that's what I think I'll close on today, is finding that. All in all, regardless of what's happening, you're asking what's the point, you will find it's a lot less... It doesn't matter so much once you have things in your life with meaning. If you're sitting there with children surrounding you and family surrounding you and you've got a roof over your head and food to eat, what's the point starts to matter a little less. I th- I think at a younger age, and I sound like I'm old here, but I'm not, I'm 27, um, 
especially for me, even early 20s, late teenage years, I was obsessed with what's the point and finding what's the point. But I found as I got older, it it, mat- it matters little by little, slowly over. I mean, by all means, maybe there is something out there, there is the point. But to me, it's as soon as I was honest with myself, I realized that I really wasn't looking to find the point of things. I was just looking to find some kind of direction. You know, there was no direction where I was in my life. And it's very easy to get caught up in that what's the point scenario. But um, I find that the more you look into yourself, the more you're honest with yourself and the more you have the courage or build the courage to live the life you want to live. The question, what is the point? It may or may not be there still, but it won't be a hindrance to your life as much as it ever was. Face yourself, be honest with yourself, and finally, know what matters. And that takes time. Okay, thank you very much for listening today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to The Self-Help Place and you will be able to get these podcasts sent to you every week. Uh, If you go on the website, theselfhelpplace.com, you will find a subscription form in the top bar and also a pop-up window. Just pop your email into there and I'll send you these episodes every Saturday. For the time being, thank you very much for listening and bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit the website, theselfhelpplace.com, for more information.